Verse 15 of chapter, uh, or 2 Samuel chapter 16 says this. Uh, it says, Meanwhile, Absalom and all the people, the men of Israel, came to Jerusalem, and Ahithophel was with him. So, just by way of review, uh, Absalom, after a number of years of exile, Absalom, the son of David, had killed another son of David, Amnon, for raping his, Absalom's sister, Tamar. And after he, because David had refused um, to put Amnon to death, it was a, a capital crime worthy of death. Uh, David probably wallowing in the guilt of the fact that he had killed uh, Bathsheba's husband, Uriah the Hittite, uh, was, um, um, he bucked, it's a baseball term, uh, he, he refused to uh, do what he should have done, and, and had uh, Amnon brought to justice, and uh, this whole mess has been created uh, because of that, and I, I have to say, and I know we're just barely out of the starting blocks here, and I don't want to go on too far of a rabbit trail, but just because that you have some sin in your past doesn't mean that you should not be going to a brother or sister in Christ and in love confronting them for the same thing. Uh, the, the Bible is the Bible, and uh, it's true. Even I before have, have, have had things put back in my face, and I, all I can say is, uh, when I'm speaking to someone about sin and all I can say is you, you're, you're right, I'm guilty. Um, but that the Bible says this, this doesn't mean that you should not be, uh, uh, that, that it, you should not be following the word of God here. Uh, and so, uh, so important that we walk in grace walking in grace means many among many other things, being willing to live out our Christian life, confronting the, uh, the people in our life, uh, truth and love, even when we are uh, guilty of the same things in our past, knowing that the blood of Jesus has covered uh, all our sins. And uh, we read last Sunday morning, Acts chapter 20, God's own blood has covered our sins. But walking in grace is understanding we've been forgiven and understanding we now have a role to love others uh, in such a way that we're willing to confront them um, of their sin or do what's necessary. David uh, probably struggled so much with his own murder that he refuses to bring his son uh, Amnon's uh, guilt of murder. Uh, rather, I should back up. I think I've misspoken. Um, Amnon raped uh, David's uh, daughter. Amnon raped his half-sister, who was David's daughter. David didn't bring that to justice. And then Absalom uh, murdered Amnon. David did not bring that to justice. And so Absalom, after a few year, a number of years in exile, uh, comes back and has uh, essentially incited a rebellion and gotten what appears to be the vast majority of Israel onto his side, uses flattery, uses his good looks, uses promises, false promises. And uh, so David has 
fled Jerusalem by this point. He has fled Jerusalem and uh, a number of folks while David is in the process of fleeing Jerusalem, uh, come alongside of him to support him. Uh, most of them stay, but a few of them David sends back. One is Hushai, who is David's good friend, and for the purpose of, uh, we'll say, frustrating, essentially acting as a spy. David sends him back as a spy to frustrate um, the... Uh, the plans of, of Absalom, who has now taken over and has pronounced himself king over Israel. And uh, Hushai is going to do that. He's going to do that uh, by, going into, um, by going into Absalom's presence, feigning, meaning faking, loyalty to Absalom when, in fact, um, he's going in for the specific purpose of frustrating um, Absalom's plans. And so um, again, it says in verse 15, Absalom and all the people of Israel, the men of, uh, and all the people, the men of Israel came to Jerusalem and Ahithophel was with him. So Ahithophel was um, one of David's counselors, uh, perhaps his most trusted counselor, certainly his most valuable counselor, but um, he has betrayed David here and gone over into Absalom's camp, and more on that in a little bit. Verse 16 says, and so it was when Hushai the arch, archite, David's friend, came to Absalom, that Hushai said to Absalom, long live the king, long live the king. Verse 17, this was very much of a surprise to Absalom because he knew Hushai was his father's friend. So Absalom, verse 17, said to Hushai, is this your loyalty to your friend, meaning your friend David? Why do you not go with your friend? Verse 18, and Hushai said to Absalom, no, but whom the Lord and this people and all the men of Israel choose, his I will be and with him I will remain. Furthermore, whom should I serve? Should I not serve in the presence of his son? As I have served in your father's presence, so will I be in your presence. And so just a little aside, there are some who have said that everything Hushai says here, he's uh, being, you could say, uh, he's double speaking everything he says. He's saying out of loyalty to David. In other words, in verse 16, he's saying, when he says, long live the king, he's not talking about Absalom, although Absalom thinks that he's talking about David. And they think that everything that he says from verses 16 to 18, uh, he's really saying about David in his heart, but he's knowing that Absalom's interpreting it otherwise. So, uh, we don't know if that's the case, but uh, it's an interesting theory. Um, verse 20. So Absalom said to Ahithophel, give advice as to what we should do. Give advice as to what? Well, David um, and at least 600 mighty men and others have fled and... Uh, 
Absalom wants to know, well, what are we supposed to do now? Okay, I'm king now. What am I supposed to do? And uh, so uh, what am I supposed to do, do about uh, my father, David? What am I supposed to do generally? Uh, he asks Ahithophel advice, verse 21, and Ahithophel says to, said to Absalom, Go into your father's concubines, whom he has left to keep the house, and all Israel will hear that you are abhorred by your father. Then the hands of all who are with you will be strong. And so they pitched a tent for Absalom on the top of the house, and Absalom went into the, his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. And so Ahithophel's first bit of advice here um, is to try to show all of Israel, hey, look, um, lest there's any doubt who's in charge here, I am. And he goes into his father's concubines, his mistresses, um, that um, you could call them legal mistresses. Um, it's not something that was um, uh, affirmed or ever encouraged by the Lord, but um, something at this time allowed by the Lord until the greater revelation um, of, of Jesus Christ wasn't allowed in the beginning, and neither was it with the first Adam, and neither was it when the second Adam came in and established a new covenant. But um, it was a way, um, Hithbel wanted Absalom to uh, make it really clear in Israel who was in charge. Uh, and so uh, Absalom goes ahead and does that, he pitches a tent on the top um, of a house. And as I have said in previous messages, uh, when you're in the top of a house in the middle of a city, you, uh, everyone in the city knows what's going on. Um, and so uh, obviously it would have been placed in such a way that um, taller buildings and this type of thing, of course the buildings wouldn't have been skyscrapers, but uh, whatever they were, uh, three, four, five, six stories. Um, he pitches a tent up there. He goes into his father's concubines. And so the break is uh, clear. The, the bridges are burned. And now it's, uh, you better choose sides. And um, he's also making a statement about who's in charge. And so I want to pause there and um, really, really reflect tonight, particularly in this political season where there's so much bitterness in the land. And um, it, 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 if you don't focus on the Lord, um, you will get really distracted. But uh, many, many, um, including many in the church, the American church are, are bitter at this time. They're, they're bitter because um, their, um, their guy who they wanted to be president lost. Um, there's other who, the others, uh, including those in the church that are bitter because um, 
although they their guy won, they're bitter at their opponents because of the behavior of, of their opponents. And um, you know, few few things in the Bible um, is it clear uh, are are made more clear than this. If you harbor bitterness, eventually it's going to act out um, and everyone around you is going to suffer. In other words, um, if you're bitter that um, President, uh, President like Biden won or the people who followed him uh, uh, and you're bitter at them, your family is going to become the victims. Your friends are going to become the victims. Certainly the Lord will become a, a victim. Um, the verse very well known in the book of Hebrews um, says, beware, and I've quoted this uh, on a number of occasions in our study, beware lest a root of bitterness rise up from within you and defile many. That's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Now, the reason I quote that is because Ahithophel, um, most scholars believe, and it's um, we have every reason to believe that it's true, or very good reason to believe that it's true. His granddaughter was none other than Bathsheba, who David had shamed uh, in the sight of all Israel. And who had murdered his granddaughter's husband, uh, Uriah. And uh, notice here how bitterness plays out. And it, this is why it's just so important um, to, to, to forgive um, and to give the Lord your bitterness. Um, he betrays David. And then he winds up in his act of vengeance uh, doing 10 times as worse than David did. He advises Absalom to do 10 times than what David did. Because, among other things, um, every one of those concubines who this is more or less a rape you, when, um, you know, the, the king's son comes in in public uh, you know what you have to do if you're one of those con concubines. Every one of those con concubines had a grandfather, just like Ahithophel had a granddaughter with um, Bathsheba. And so this Calvary Chapel is the danger of bitterness, that um, if you allow it to harbor even a root, meaning inside, meaning, you know, you may be able to fake it, uh, a little while, but you don't fake it till you make it because eventually you're going to be undone. And, uh, and, and so here the bitterness um, just gets worse um, and it results in just something so much worse. You know, uh, the, the Bible says, uh, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. The reason, well, among other things, the reason that we leave vengeance to the Lord when we have been wronged, even, even viciously wrong, is because 
when we try to right a wrong, when we're bitter, we'll always go, we typically will go way further than anyone would ever go. Only God knows the penalty that is deserved in his providential and in his providence. He knows what to, you know, what to mete out, which he did with David. David had consequences. Um, but Ahithophel, uh, in, in his bitterness, um, l- let me tell you, when you will overstep uh, the retribution, the judge, the just retribution, when you have bitterness in your heart, it's better just to, to obey the Bible. Um, Deuteronomy 32, verse 35, Romans 12, verse 19, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And so uh, the... Um, Ironically, the same thing for Absalom, right? Bitterness, because David had never avenged the rape of his sister. Uh, and what does he do? He winds up raping probably uh, at least 10, if not more, um, concubines. Um, and so, again, each of them goes far, far beyond in their retribution. And Calvary Chapel, I, I just pray that you do not um, think of yourself as beyond someone who would harbor bitterness and act out of bitterness. That would be a great, great uh, mistake. Go before the Lord every day and really ask him. Uh, but it's, it's, it's really clear. Jesus says, uh, Love your enemies, Luke 26, 27. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. Uh, in, when, in, in the Lord's Prayer, uh, the much-beloved Lord's Prayer, uh, it says in verse 15 of chapter 6 of Matthew, If you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father um, forgive your trespasses. And so much in the, in the gospel, uh, the parable of the unforgiving servant who um, owes his master 10,000 talents um, and his master forgives him. And he goes out and uh, doesn't forgive his own servant to whom was owed 100 denarii, which is 100 working days wages. And um, it's a parable, really, of God in heaven. That that unforgiving servant was cast into, um, you know, cast away and um, ordered to be be tortured. It was was a, uh, uh, a parable that is, we have to take, to heart because we have been forgiven so much by Jesus on the cross. He paid for our sins so that we would not have to suffer not 10,000 talents, 10 billion, billion talents, eternity and torment. How can we not 
forgive those who have wronged us. Does it take grace? Yes, it does. It absolutely does. But here we have in 2 Samuel uh, chapter uh, 15, just a very, very, very clear indication of where your bitterness will take you. So if you're bitter um, after this election process, you're bitter at friends that uh, are Christians that didn't vote away in a way that you vote, wanted them to vote, or you're bitter um, at uh, politi politicians or the news media who you sit, uh, think have lied this type of thing. I don't have any I don't have any doubt about the media lying, by the way. But you cannot harbor the bitter bitterness. You have to release it and seek the Lord during this time. And so Absalom commits this grievous crime uh, in the sight of all Israel. And then in verse 23, it says, Now the advice of Ahithophel, which he gave in those days, was if, as if one had inquired at the oracle of God. So was all the advice of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. Uh, I do want to say this quickly. Uh, chapter 17 is about Ahithophel's next advice, among other things. But uh, I often think of Psalm 55, because uh, it's almost certainly speaking about uh, Ahithophel. It's written by David, and he uh, is in Psalm verse 4. He says, My heart is severely pained within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. I think it's very, uh, uh, very probable Psalm 55 was written. Um, while he is leaving Jerusalem at the time that this is happening. But then verse 12, very important, verse 12 says, and, and again, he's saying, my heart is severely pained within me. Why? It's not because he's not king anymore. It's because he's hurt deeply. He's hurt deeply. Verse 12 says, for it is not an enemy who reproaches me, because then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me who has exalted himself against me. Then I could hide from him, but it was you, a man my equal, my companion and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked to the house of God in the throng. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. Um, where someone who you trusted dearly, dearly, dearly betrayed you in the most hurtful way. It's, it's happened to me. I, there are few things harder than betrayal by a close friend or, or a trusted friend. Uh, but uh, that, that is... is I believe, and most Bible scholars, I believe, are in agreement that this right here is talking about Ahithophel. And, um, and ultimately, um, I believe it's prophetically talking about Jesus and Judas. Um, for it is not an enemy who reproaches me. Um, you know, it's not uh, 
one of you know the the Pharisees who who hate me. It's not uh, what a Roman who who hates me. No, it's you. Um, he's, but, but he says actually in in verse twelve of, of Psalm fifty. Um, 55, if it was, I could bear it. I mean, I could take it if it was an enemy. It was, if, it, if it's just, just some person in the street and they don't like me, they don't like me because I'm a Christian or they don't like me because they don't like the uh, color of my hair or the look of my, my big ears or whatever. I mean, I can take that. But what David is saying, um, but it was you, a man of my equal, a companion we took sweet counsel together, meaning we talked for hours and hours and hours together. Again, Ahithophel was um, David's counselor, but, but also Judas was among the 12. And we walked to the house of God in the throng. I tell you, um, you know, when it says in Philippians, uh, I think it's chapter three, where Paul says, I count all my past accolades, my past uh, credentials, my, my religious accomplishments, I count them all as rubbish. So that for the privilege, Paul says, of knowing Christ and the, in, in the power of his resurrection, but then he says what? And in the fellowship of his suffering. So if you... Um, if, if that may be you today, you feel betrayed by someone, maybe it's a relative, friend, who, um, whoever it might be, just consider this, that you have the privilege of still worshiping and follow, following God in your sufferings of betrayal, just like Jesus did, just like Jesus did. Jesus, of course, called the son of David. David um, had people close to him betray him. Jesus did as well. And uh, it, it really is the part of the path of every Christian who cries out to God and wants true fellowship with him. It's, a, it's one of the sufferings on our way to heaven. Paul encouraged the brand new churches in the book of Acts by saying, it is through much tribulation that we go to the kingdom of, that we enter the kingdom of God. And so we're not entering into heaven someday, except through much suffering. This is what we're, we're called to, but this is what we rejoice in by the Holy Spirit. So let's see what uh, former friend, former uh, good friend uh, Ahithophel does next. Chapter 17. Moreover, Ahithophel said to Absalom, I, I think I'm going to do a fair amount of reading here. So if you could just follow me and pray for the translator and Mary. Moreover, Ahithophel said to Absalom, now let me, underline that word, choose 12,000 men and I will arise and pursue David tonight. And I will come upon him while he is weary and weak and make him afraid. And all the people who are with him will flee, and I will strike only the king. That's pretty extraordinary. He, he was going to not only betray David, but kill him. He's willing to do that. Verse 3. Then I will bring back all the people to you. When all return except the man whom you seek, all the people will be at peace. And the saying pleased Absalom and all the elders of Israel, meaning um, 
they said, oh yeah, this sounds like good, advi uh, good advice. Verse five, then Absalom said, now call Hushai the archite also, and let us hear what he says too. Now remember, as we said at the outset, Hushai had been sent back by David to be a spy and frustrate the plans of Absalom. So let's see what Hushai, let's read about what Hushai advises Absalom. Verse 6, and when Hushai came to Absalom, Absalom spoke to him, saying, Ahithophel has spoken in this manner. Shall we do as he says? If not, speak up. So Hushai said to Absalom, the advice that Ahithophel has given is not good at this time. For, said Hushai, you know your father and his men, that they are mighty men, and they are enraged in their minds, like a bear robbed of her cubs in the field. And your father is a man of war and will not camp with the people. In other words, you're not going to find them. And, and the guys that um, he hangs out with and your father are, you know, there's a reason David's king. And that's probably because may have been the best warrior in the history of Israel. Uh, we've seen his exploits. Um, and so uh, he's, he's striking fear into them. I tell you, um, if there's, there's, if there's a couple things that work uh, with carnal people, number one is fear. Number two is pride. We're going to see Hushai going after both of them. Uh, you need to be a man or woman of God to walk forward in the face of fear. And you have to be a humble man or woman of God um, to to hear the voice of the Lord. So he's like, he, basically he's saying, do you forget who your, who your dad is? Now keep in mind, I don't, yeah, yeah, you know, Absalom, I don't think had ever been in a war, uh, much less participated in one. And, and David, everyone knew about David's exploits. Verse nine, surely now he is hidden in some pit or in some other place. And it will be when some of the, some of them are overthrown at first that whoever hears it will say, there's a slaughter among the people who follow as Absalom. And so uh, they're going to slaughter a bunch of you, and then they're going to give word out to all Israel that, um, um, and to the rest of your troops that you're losing and, and, and you'll lose. Verse 10, and even he who is valiant, whose heart is like the heart of a lion, will melt completely. For all Israel knows that your father is a mighty man, and those who are with him are, a, are valiant men. Therefore, I advise that all Israel be fully gathered to you from Dan to Beersheba, like the sand that is by the sea for multitude, and that you go to battle in person. So we will come up upon him in some place where he may be found, and we will fall on him as the dew falls on the ground. And of him and all the men who are with them, there shall not be uh, left so much as one. In other words, we're going to kill all, not just David. That was Ahithophel's plan. We're going to kill all. Moreover, if he has, verse 13, if he has withdrawn into a city, then all Israel shall bring ropes to that city, and we will pull it 
into the river until there's not one small stone found there, meaning there's going to be so many people. Ahithophel wants 12,000. Now, let's take some time to gather all Israel. There'll be so many that no city that will be able to withstand. Verse 14, now Absalom and all the men of Israel said, the advice of Hushai the archite is better than the advice of Ahithophel. And then it says this, for the Lord had, in other words, why did Absalom come to that conclusion? Answer, end of verse 14, because the Lord had purposed to defeat the good advice of Ahithophel to the intent that the Lord might bring disaster on Absalom. So let's talk about that. Ahithophel's plan, um, remember from the last verse of chapter 16, his advice um, had been, he had the reputation that his advice uh, was, when you got his advice, it was inquiring at the oracle of God. I mean, it, he just had an incredible gift. And uh, in, at the end of verse 14, we even see the Holy Spirit saying it was good advice. Ahithophel knew David. He had been counseling him for years. He had been counseling him in wars. He knew the state of David. We saw him in the last lesson. He's weeping. He's a mess. His people are not organized yet. They have not had time uh, to, uh, uh, to, to sort of to mobilize. Go get him now. Defeat him quickly. Great plan. There was just one problem. Ahithophel was fighting against God. And as we've said before, when you're fighting against God, God is God in one is a majority. In fact, God in zero people is a majority. He wasn't going to win. And um, Ahithophel wasn't going to win. And they, uh, they, uh, he decided to, to follow, Absalom decided to follow the advice of um, Hushai. Now, some people point out uh, that Hushai wisely uh, did a few things, and the first was to appeal, as we've already said, to their fear, and that was part of the reason that he Hushai won Absalom over. But notice how um, he also may have played into his pride. Ahithophel's plan was what? Verse 1 of chapter 17, Now let me choose 12,000 men. So Ahithophel was going to lead the army. But notice at the end of verse 11, Hushai's advice was, no, you go into battle. In other words, you get the glory. You deserve the glory. You're such a wonderful, phenomenal, long-haired, beautiful, without blemish king. You should be getting the glory. So he played into his, his pride as well. And, uh, and so... Supremely, we know, though, why Absalom followed um, Hushai's advice. It says right there in verse 14, for the Lord had purpose to defeat the good advice of Ahithophel to the intent that the Lord might bring disaster on Absalom. You know, uh, David, there are, some, there are some psalms, including the one that we just read, by the way, Psalm 55, 
um, I believe that Psalm 55 was written by David uh, during the time that he is, um, he is, uh, he's fleeing Absalom. He's in uh, a state of incredible distress. My heart is severely pained within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Verse five, fearfulness and trembling have come upon me. Horror has um, overwhelmed me. And then he says, oh, that I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. Anyone listening or looking ever felt like that? I'll raise my hand. Uh, anyway, uh, oh, that I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. Indeed, I would wander off and remain in the wilderness. And, um, you know, he, he's in a time and a place that no doubt he's, he may be asking how in the world is the Lord going to get me out of this? And there may be doubt. And in fact, there, if, if Psalm 55 was written at this time, there was doubt. And he was really questioning. Um, he was adding everything up. His army vastly outnumbered. And um, really questioning, you know, Lord, you anointed me many years ago by the prophet Samuel to be king. You know, what, what is going on here? What David didn't know was, um, well, he, he, he did know from his experience, but his heart had left him. And that's how we get Calvary Chapel. Uh, we've seen the experience of God in the past, but then at the next new trial, we're, our heart is failing us. But David didn't know, verse 14, it says, for the Lord had purpose to defeat the good advice of his foe. See, the Lord... The Lord had it, had it all, had it all figured out, and um, was coming to His rescue, even at a time that it looks like the Lord was far, far away and being silent and doing nothing. And uh, just a, a beautiful example there of of Calvary Chapel. We need to know and. Today, as much as any other day, for some of us in our lives, God is in control with this whole COVID-19 shutdown and the fear and the uncertainty and what's going to happen with this. So some of you may have lost your jobs. And, and, and then the whole the racial unrest, the civil unrest, the political unrest, God is in control um, because um, as bad as things are um, in America today, if you read these few chapters of Second Samuel, Israel was in complete upheaval. And there was a civil war. It was um, it was complete bedlam. But God was in control. Sometimes. Um, it's just important this this psalm that I'm that I'm memorizing Psalm uh, one sixteen. It it has one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and that's why um, it's one of the reasons I picked it. Psalm one sixteen verse seven says, "Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully." with you.
So our soul gets all uh, agitated beyond belief sometimes, beyond our control. Sometimes it's good to just speak to your soul. Psalm 116, verse 7, return to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. And so um, a beautiful picture here of God being in control. Let's continue. It says, then Hushai said to Zadok and Abiathar, remember Zadok and Abiathar had also been sent back to Jerusalem. And they, were the, they were the priests. They were also, you could say, spies. And um, Zadok and Abiathar, uh, Hushai said to them, thus and so Ahithophel advised Absalom and the elders of Israel, and thus and so I have advised. Now therefore send quickly to tell David, saying, do not spend this night in the plains of the wilderness, but speedily cross over, lest the king and all the people who are with you, with him, be swallowed up. And so uh, Jonathan and Ahamaz stayed in Enrogel, for they dared not be seen coming into the city. So a female servant would come and tell them, and they would uh, go and tell David. So there was literally runners from Hushai um, to David's folks. Uh, yeah, this female servant, we don't know her name. She was a valiant, courageous woman. Uh, and she is being used in a great way here. Verse 18, nevertheless, a lad saw them and told Absalom. But both of them went away quickly and came to a man's house in Baharun, who had a well in his court, and they went down in it. Then the woman took and spread a covering over the well's mouth and spread ground grain on it, and the thing was not known. And when Absalom's servants came to the women at the house, they said, Where are Ahamaz and Jonathan? So the woman said to them, They have gone over the water brook. And when they had searched and could not find them, they returned to Jerusalem. And so there we find, here we find that there are some here in Israel who uh, I think were godly, simple people of faith who uh, knew it was going on. They had heard from God. They knew that um, Absalom was a wicked dude and um, was going to ruin the country. And the witness of God in the, in, really in the whole world, uh, Israel was raised up to be a witness to the nations, and they favored David. And so they actually hid, this woman hid these, another courageous woman, we don't know her name, hid the spies and... Um, and then Absalom's uh, people who wanted to kill him went back to Jerusalem. Verse 21, now it came to pass after they had departed that they came up out of the well and went and told King David and said to David, arise and cross over the water quickly, for thus has Ahithophel advised against you. So at this time, it appears that not even Hushai think, uh, not even Hushai um, knows um, not even Hushai knows that Absalom took his, his advice. If you look back in verse 14, apparently he had left the room because um, when Absalom came up with the idea that we're going to follow Hushai's advice because um, he wanted to make sure David knew Ahithophel's advice in, ca in case Absalom followed the advice. Um, and so uh, Hushai sends a, a, a runner, a, a 
who is cooperating with him um, to tell David and tells David, look, Ahithophel's advised this. Uh, I don't know if they're going to do it or not, but you better go and you better go fast. And so all the people who were with him arose and crossed over the Jordan by morning light. Not one of them was left who had not gone over the Jordan. Verse 23. Now when Ahithophel saw that his advice was not followed, he saddled a donkey and arose and went home to his house, to the, his city. Then he put his household in order and he hanged himself and died. And he was buried in his father's tomb. Now some believe that the, some, that the traditional view, which I think I take here is this is, sort of like the practice of harikari where the Japanese during World War II and for centuries prior to that um, would commit suicide just if their honor was violated. And since his honor was violated by, by the king not taking his advice, he just committed suicide. Uh, I think a minority of people think, um, but they very well could be true, that Ahithophel knew for certain that David was going to win because again, this guy, Ahithophel, he's a very wise guy. He's a gift and he knew David and he knew David. If David had time to mobilize, which he was, he's going to have time because Hushai's advice is followed. David's going to come back and win. And so he's thinking as soon as David comes back and wins, he's going to execute me. I'm just going to take my own life. Tragedy, that's where bitterness will take you. Uh, and if you think, you know, one of the remarkable things, if we could just pause for a second, just think, uh, if, uh, just think if uh, Ahithophel had done the honorable thing and forgiven David for David's offense against him and stuck with him. I mean, you, you, you'd have Jews to this day naming their sons Ahithophel. Uh, instead, he completely, for all history, trashes his legacy. He trashes his legacy. And uh, instead of forgiving, and you know, legacy, I believe, is an important thing. It's part of your testimony to the Lord. You don't want to have to be remembered as, the, oh, that woman, that man who called himself a Christian who just couldn't forgive. You don't want that to be your legacy. Let me tell you what an example of what you want to be your legacy. It's Paul right before he was executed. Second Timothy chapter four, um, it says this, verse six, he says in second Timothy four, six, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day and not to me only, but also to all who loved his appearing. So the, the legacy you want, Calvary Chapel, I certainly want you to have it is the, um, that you fight the good fight until your death. Now, what is, what is the good fight among many other things when you've been grievously, grievously betrayed? You leave the vengeance to the Lord. You forgive and you even love back. 
that's the legacy that we want in Christ. Such a tragic, um, such a, a tragic end to Ahithophel's life. Verse 24, then David went to Mahanaim. Sorry, excuse me for one second. Then David went to Mahanaim, and Absalom crossed over the Jordan. He and all the men of Israel with him. And Absalom made Amasa captain of the army instead of Joab. This Amasa was the son of a man whose name was Jethro an Israelite, who had gone into Abigail, the daughter of Nahash, the sister of Zariah, Joab's mother, meaning Amasa was David's nephew. Again, hurt, just the bitter, bitter hurt of even family uh, betraying him. Of course, his son had betrayed him, but, but uh, here, here you have his family becoming the general of the opposing army. So Israel and Absalom encamped in the land of Gilead. Now it happened when uh, David had come to Mahanam that Shobi, the son of Nahash, from Rabbah, the people of Ammon, Maker, the son of Amiel from Lodabar, and Barzillai, the Gileadite from uh, Rogaline, brought beds and basins, earthen vessels and wheat, barley and flour, parched grain and beans and lentils and parched seeds, honey and curds, uh, sheep and cheese of the herd for David and the people who were with him to eat. And for they said, the people are hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. So, so God has his ways of coming to your support, uh, even in the most distressing time. And sometimes they're the most unlikely people. There's actually, it says in verse 27, Ammonites. I mean, these people traditionally had been the arch enemies of, uh, of Israel, but Ammonites um, are coming to David's aid. Um, and so then you have this, this, this man, Barzillai, and, and an older, very old man, um, also coming um, as well, and coming to his aid. The, the Lord has his ways. He has ways of supporting you in your times of stress that you can never even dream of. And that's indeed what happens here. Let's continue in chapter 18. And David numbered the people who were with him. And so he now, by now he's gathered, he's, he's bought enough time that uh, all of a sudden he's not having a pity party anymore. Not, not that, I, actually, I, I take that back. He wasn't having a pity party, but he was, he was broken, he was contrite, and he was weeping, not ready for battle. I believe, based upon what we've read, it was righteous um, brokenness and weeping. It was the weeping of a gar of godly man. It was not pity. So, um, so that would be an inaccurate description of it. But, but, but it, he was in no place really to be fighting. But here, he, 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 uh, the, the Spirit of the Lord uh, comes upon him, and he says, okay, let's do this thing. Let's defeat um, the, this army and we'll, we'll go back to Jerusalem and I will become king again. And David numbered the people who were with him and set captains of thousands and, and captains of hundreds over them. So he's just, he springs into action here, a beautiful scene. Then David sent out one third of the people under the hand of Joab, one third of the people uh, at the hand of Abishai, and the son of Zariah, Joab's brother, and one-third under the hand of Ittai, the Gittite, 
and that's that's pretty interesting to me that he actually sends a third of his army under this man uh, who in 2 Samuel chapter 15 had just come to Jerusalem the day before from some foreign country. He's not an Israelite. He's from the land of the Gittites. And David says, what are you following with, uh, uh, with me for? Return and remain. Uh, for you're a foreigner, right? Just go back to Absalom. Go back to Jerusalem. And, and then he says in verse 20 of 2 Samuel 15, you only came yesterday. What are you following me for? Remember what Ittai said? Glorious words. Verse 21. As the Lord lives, capital L-O-R-D, he was a believer in Jehovah. And as, and as my Lord, the king lives, surely in whatever place my Lord, the king shall be, whether in death or life, even there also your servant will be. Wow. Now he gets a third of David's army, this man. Clearly a risk. But I, I just really, really, just as an aside here, if you've been called to leadership, you better believe and better understand that leadership involves taking risks. Uh, you know, I, um, we have to do it here at Calvary Chapel quite a bit. We, we, you know, we'll, we'll see someone coming up and there's a need. And we're like, you know, there's a need, but we don't want to fill the need of ministry just because we have a person to fill it. Is it God's person? We seek the Lord. And oftentimes it's like, whoa, Lord, would you really have that person? Now they're, they're, they're younger in the Lord. They're, they're inexperienced. And, and, and so, um, but this is one of the things that I, I have admired Chuck Smith for. And his legacy was he really took some risks on some folks and uh, who, who, who were used mightily of, of God. Of course, he also made mistakes, um, as I've done, but here, a third of his army he gives to a man who just joined him, who it wasn't even a, he wasn't even a Jew. But then it continues in verse two. It says, and the king said to the people, I will also surely go out with you myself. In other words, I'm going to go into battle with you. And the people answered, you shall not go out for if we flee away they will not care about us nor if half of us die will they care about us but you are worth ten thousand of us now for you are now more help to us in the city and the king said whatever seems best to you i will do so yeah uh, we, we commend david here for his humility he's an older guy now he doesn't go out into battle and he accepts the counsel so he has humility uh, as much humility as his son has pride, and he stays uh, behind. So the king stood beside the gate, and all the people went out by hundreds and thousands. Verse 5, now the king had commanded Joab, Abishai, and Ittai, saying, deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. Ugh, David, 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 David. Don't, David. He's doing it again. He is allowing his heart, probably his own guilt uh, as well, to uh, order something really, really foolish. Um, he, he wants to protect his son from the consequences of his clear, clear rebellion, from the consequences of his sin. Fathers, mothers, don't do that with your children.
fathers, mothers, don't do that with your children. You know, your children may come um, of an age in, in, in their teenage years. If they are absolutely refusing to abide by the rules of the house, they got to go. Uh, they, there may be a situation you're in where, you know, God forbid it, but he may, he may permit it and even direct it. One of your kids winds up in a jail. And after the fifth time, are you going to bail them out? Or are you going to seriously consider, wait a second, I can't protect my child from the consequences of their behavior any longer. If I do, I'm doing a disservice to the rest of my family and indeed to the child himself or herself. Don't do it. So this is a tremendous weakness of, of David. Uh, you know, kill everyone else. Don't kill my son. And all the people heard when the king gave all the captains, uh, all the captains um, orders concerning Absalom. So the people went out into the field of battle against Israel and in the battle, and the battle was in the woods of Ephraim. 